following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast on the BICBP Radio Network with your hosts, EZD Derek Jaws, T-Wave Taylor Sekaterski, Big Diesel Nick Yelich, Bold Claim Ben Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Stat Man. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast is brought to you by Big O Ceiling. Ceiling and coating blacktop driveways for over 25 years. Give them a call at 716-603-9855 for a free estimate today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats. I, as always, am EZD, and I'm here with the Grand Poba, brand new guest host. Love it. I love it. I'm so excited. Poe, what's up, buddy? How you doing, Derek? Nice to uh, be here. It's EZD. Get it right. Oh. <laughs> we right. do. We do. You have so many nicknames over the years. Yeah. You've had so many nicknames over the years. I I've lost track. So I'll just go back to the oldie but the goodie. Yeah, the the OG, my real name. It's weird. Um, so we brought we brought my man Poe on because uh, all of the other guest hosts are busy and have scheduling conflicts and stuff. So I reached out to my main man because we are starting our divisional breakdowns and our uh, divisional previews, if you will, for the NFL this year. And my main man, Poe, is a big Saints fan and has been for some time. So we're going to be here to talk about the NFC South. That is quite the division. That's all I can say. Hey, thank God Tom Brady left for that division and didn't stay in ours. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Let's start first with your Saints. Uh, Obviously, this will be the first year that Mr. Breeze is not at the helm. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It sure is. I'm, I'm very skeptical of their direction that they're going. I mean, they have two quarterbacks now that are but, poor but opposites they, in terms of. I mean, well, I mean, they, they have like, they have two they have two guys listed in the position. Are they are either of them really? Okay. Quarter- <laughs> I mean, you have okay, so you have like one point five quarterbacks because they're each like the seventy five percent quarterback. But I'm just saying, you have two quarterbacks that are completely different in like from the Drew Brees style of quarterback, where you know Drew Brees was the efficient, you know, play caller, you know, disperse the ball, give it to whoever needs to open, and basically just find everybody. Um, to the turnover machine that is Jameis Winston, to the I guess you can call him a quarterback, Tyson Hill. Tyson Hill, sorry, Tyson, not Tyson. Yeah, listen, Tyson. I, I, I told, I called him Tyson King like last year. So every time I say his name, I think of like the, the frozen chicken meals, like you know the <laughs> Tyson. So that's, I mean, that's just kind of. I know that's not how it's spelled or actually how it's actually said, but you know me, I'm really good with names. So you sure um, are. <laughs> Aaron so- Sproles. Darian, Darian, we're going to Darian Lake Sproles. Uh, yeah. So right. the interesting side of that is not only are those two polar opposites of what Mr. Breeze was, they're also polar opposites of each other. Uh, Jameis is right. more of a traditional stand in the pocket and sling it with some athleticism. And Hill is Mr. Athleticism who will throw the ball when needed. And both of them had great records. Sands drew Breeze when he was hurt at different times. Uh, I'm pretty sure Drew Brees missed, what, about 12 games between the last two years with injuries? And both yeah, times like 
and both times they went undefeated with their like with their backup quarterback once with Hill and once with Winston. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was quite nerve wracking. I'll say that much, but honestly, like, I mean, I don't want to say they look better without breeze, but breeze kind of breeze looked like a shell of them. former self in a lot of those games. I mean, partially it has to do with, you know, playing with one long and, you know, 11 half a rib cage. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there, there's definitely some, you know, some excuses to what was really happening, but it was still kind of surprising to watch because I was half expecting them to lose a lot of those games. Yeah. And you know, it, it wasn't the fall from grace that you could say Peyton Manning had his last year in Denver where he was literally just a conduit to hand the ball off and then made yep. I mean, what 12 to 15 throws a game at most. Uh, he still tried slinging oh, the yeah. rock. It just, it just didn't look like it used to look. Um, but the inter- and and some of, and some of that can be the you know you plan for one type of Saints team, and then you get a completely different look based on which quarterbacks under center. I feel like this year, even if you're going with like a weird two quarterback system, which they may do, I don't know. Uh, you can still plan for it. You can still say, okay, well when Hill's in, they do this, and when Winston's in, they do this. So we plan our defense accordingly. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm just a little scared. Like. I don't know. I don't know enough about how um, about how they plan to use them in that sense. I mean, I don't know if it's just going to be like a game by game basis, or you know, hell, have they even decided to say, hey, guess what? You get a half, and you get a half. Just uh, I mean, especially for the preseason. I mean, that's obviously what they're going to do. Oh, but, for sure. And the the biggest part I, of that too is you're going to see. I don't think they know. I don't think I don't think Sean Payton knows, uh, and that's mostly because. Oh. Uh, some of the decisions he made last year when Breeze was in, you know, you have one of a surefire first ballot hall of famer and you take him out in the red zone. And there were times it worked. There were other times I watched Mr. Hill fumble snaps in the red zone. So when you're taking a hall of famer out, I, I, I just, I don't think you know what your team is going to look like without the dude behind, you know, calling the shots. Part of me kind of feels that like Peyton was kind of looking like, he he is like I don't know what his obsession is with Hill. Like I'm not saying Hill is a well, he's an anomaly is really what I'm just gonna call him. Um, but I don't I don't know what Peyton really sees in him that he's like so determined to keep him or just like to, you know, kind of push him into the role of quarterback when he's like more of a gadget type player. Um, I also think that like it was kind of he was a little bit surprised that like um that Winston became available and now you have, you know, kind of a project, you have two kind of project quarterbacks that you can kind of like mold into what, like into what I want the successor to Breeze to be. Now, whether or not he thought Breeze maybe had a couple more years, I mean, I don't know, but it's, like I said, at this point now, I really think this is the Alvin Kamara show. It's really not a, like, I mean, all the headlines will eventually will obviously be on like, you know, Winston or Hill or, you know, you know who's starting, who's playing better or whatnot. But I mean, the offense is going to run through, through Kamara, you know, 95% of the time. Almost so. because it has to, especially when Hill's in the game. Um, and I, I oh, think, yeah, for sure. I, th- I think what Peyton is, was looking for or is looking for out of, out of Hill is to be a, Lamar Jackson or 
hoping to be like a Josh Allen type player who can, who is that freak athlete who can be elusive and make people miss and hurt you with his legs. But, you know, also at times has shown flashes of a big arm. It's just, there's not a lot of polish on that arm. Um, you know, I've, yeah. I've seen, I've seen him throw absolute rockets downfield and, but it looks like he's throwing a javelin sometimes like shuffle, shuffle, straight arm and Chuck. And it's, yeah. it's, it's tough to watch sometimes I'll tell you. But some of the plays that dude makes yeah. are are electric. And I think he's hoping to get a little bit more of that electric, kind of bottle it up and, and use it the way you see some of these more, we'll call them modern quarterbacks playing. I could definitely see that, like him trying to get some kind of, you know, I don't want to say, you know, a cheap clone of any one of the quarterbacks you mentioned. I mean, I definitely see more of a Josh Allen in him because Tyson Hill is more of the, like, plow through guys versus, you know, Lamar Jackson's like, I'm going to, you know, shake you out of your boots type guy. But yeah. Uh, Mr. Hill definitely runs with some attitude and I, and I do appreciate that in his game to, to be sure. But uh, it's, yeah, it's going to want be... that at a quarterback though. <laughs> no, not, not when we see what happens to guys, you know, a guy like a Dak Prescott who tried to run through a tackle last year and shattered his leg in the process. You know, you definitely don't want that right, to be right. a, uh, you know, an issue, but you know, it's, it's also tough to turn down a guy who the last time he was a starting quarterback threw 30 touchdowns in the NFL. It also came with 30 picks. Uh, and the saints defense was surprisingly stout last year. I don't know if that's going to continue, but you know, they, they were, they were, they, so they, they really were what helped solidify those wins when breeze was out as their defense played really well down the stretch. That's for sure. And it's, it's kind of surprising because, you know, for years, like New Orleans defense was the biggest, you know, hole in the NFL. Like you could, you could throw a ball anywhere on the field and one of your guys is going to be open to catch it. Like they were, they were ter- terrible. And that's why Breeze got into, you know, was so good and set so many records, you know, with passing yards that, you know, he just had to always play catch up. And it's amazing how their defense kind of like, you know, their defense is now almost their strong asset of their team versus their offense now which is I don't want to say it's bad but it's just in flux and it's you know you're not really sure what you're going to get especially since like you know obviously like you said the last two years between Breeze being you know older in age and then like trying to transition to you know Winston or Hill like there's just too many question marks to really kind of give a good idea of what they're going to be so I, I think in flux is a great way to describe the Saints right now uh, just looking through their offseason, I mean, they lost Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn to Detroit. They lost Joe Lombardi and Michael Willoit to uh, the Chargers. They replaced a lot of people in from in-house and then brought in a D-backs coach from Dallas who, I don't know, man, if you watch Dallas play football last year, I'm not sure I'm taking anybody from their defense, including the coaching staff. But uh, it's – Yeah, it's also- no, it's- it, it's also tough because if you look at like the start of free agency, uh, the Saints were 70 million over the cap when free agency started. You know, they they were they were able to restructure, they did some damage control. Um, it, you could almost argue that to get under the cap, they had to make the team worse, however. Uh, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Quan Alexander, Trey Hendrickson, Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins, and Jared Cook. Um, Breeze retiring, obviously. And actually, the the thing I'm reading right here says he was a shell of himself. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, they got under the cap, but I mean, that's a lot of dudes to lose right there. And that's, I mean, it's not like those those names were nobodies. No, no. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins was a, a big leader on that defense. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was, I mean, he led the team in receptions for the most part once Michael Thomas was hurt. And, well, actually, he was hurt most of the year. So, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of, you know, a lot of targets that are, gone or you know or even snaps just being accounted for they're just like no longer there and the younger guys or other guys have to step up and kind of take that those reins yeah and you know you when you take a look it, it you almost wish with having to do what they had to do to get under the cap that they wouldn't have finished as well as they did so they could have helped themselves more through the draft um you know just looking through some of these guys, you know, going with an interior defensive lineman, um, you know, it, it, it just seemed like a lot of, for lack of a better term, throw shit at the wall and see and hope something sticks. Yep. 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 So, I mean, they, but they also, next year, they have some big, I mean, they, they have some big contracts they have to sign. They have Marshawn Lattimore's is up, I believe, next year or the end of this year. I mean, that's a huge contract you're going to have to take on. I mean, they yeah. just signed, they just signed the guard, Ryan Ramsick for 2026. So, I mean, at least that, at least they, you know, they're, they're signing the right players. It's just, you know, finding those, you know, finding the money to sign them is what's going to become challenge so i mean i've heard rumblings though of them trying to trade michael thomas i mean i don't I mean, know with, how many teams are going to be go ahead oh i mean with some of the problems that he had last year i mean there he he was hurt part of the year and then other part i mean he missed games for disciplinary reasons you know if, if there's one thing that sean payton the one the one constant here is sean payton he's a great coach and he i don't i don't care he's that dude that i don't care who you are if you don't follow the rules you're not going to play. And he proved it with Michael Thomas last year. Um, you know, and Thomas is one of the biggest names of their returning core, including him, Lattimore, Jordan. Uh, you mentioned Kamara, Kamara already. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, their entire offensive line comes back. Like it's, it's tough to tough to rule them out here, but at the same time, like, you know, the, the old, either, you either get better or you get worse. And I feel like, I feel like they got worse. Yeah, I mean that's all that happens to all teams. I mean they all get worse before they get better, so it's you know that's just a longer process. And they've been good for a while. Like it's not oh, like God, they've yeah. been on the. I mean, so I mean it's not like they're just you know they were they were good for a little bit and then they've just been perpetually bad. It's just like well you've been you've been good and it's just it's now your turn at the, the cycle of being bad for a while while other teams get better. So yeah, I mean they. Hopefully it's a quick turnaround. You know, they got themselves out of cap hell to be fair. They got themselves into cap hell. Um, you know, but as, as we've seen with at least my beloved Buffalo bills, I don't know if they're your beloved Buffalo bills or not, but uh, you know, getting out of cap hell and turning a team around can be done. If you do it the right way in a, in, in around two to three years. So um, let's hope that they go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, for the record, I am not a not Buffalo Bills fan. I am very much a <laughs> Buffalo Bills fan. It's just been for the past, I don't know, 30 years of my life that, you know, I've been able to understand what the Bills meant to Buffalo, that 
I just didn't appreciate what they were until they were good and they're actually fun to watch now. So I can tell it like now, hell, I've never watched Buffalo Bills highlights in my life. And the last two years, that's all I can watch. Like, so. Yeah, they're definitely exciting. They're definitely exciting. Uh, We're going to move on to our next team here. The, the reigning defending Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. God, I am starting to hate this damn team. I didn't mind Tampa Bay for the longest time because you know what? Tampa Bay for me was always like fantasy football gold. And because they were always like terrible, but like they, everyone on the, like everybody on their team just was like always putting up points because you had the skilled players. You had Mike Evans, you had Chris Godwin, you had, I mean, even Jameis Winston when he was on there, when he was their quarterback, like they were just, you know, they were, their offense was great, but their defense couldn't stop anybody. And now you bring in Tom Brady, great. And now, now it's no, nobody can stop talking about them. And I mean, it's it's painful in ways, but in other ways, like it's now it's become more of the like wherever Tom Tom Brady goes, you just you can't help, you can't like, you just have to be annoyed that they exist. Like Tom Brady going to any team, and that like again, you you look at that roster top to bottom. Now, does Gronk go there? If Brady doesn't go there, no, but they didn't need Gronk and Gronk didn't make it a, a huge impact until the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, does Antonio Brown go there? If Brady's not there, probably not. Outside of those two, that team was pretty much set before Brady went there. And I mean, again, Brown didn't have a huge impact on the season. Uh, he had a couple good games, but it's not like he set the world on fire. It's not like he had, you know, 200 yard games or 12, 15 reception games or anything like that. Like, and you know, now all of a sudden, like you, you look at that defense, that defense is what won them that Super Bowl. Like Tom Brady didn't slow down the chiefs that defensive front. Did. Oh, no. And I, I mean, you look at it that like, and, and this is going to kind of bridge me into their off season. They brought in Brady who brought in Gronk and who brought in Brown who basically gave them the best three man receiving threat in the NFL because like, and especially when they, especially when Evans and Godwin are both healthy, good God, look out. They didn't need help oh, at yeah. tight end, but then they brought in an all time great who like in his last few years in uh, new England showed how much of a great pass blocker he is. They had two good running backs. You know, they didn't need Leonard Fournette, but they picked him up and then you look at their, like they went, they win the Super Bowl. And now you look at their offseason. They swapped Gio Bernard for LaShawn McCoy. And that's it. Uh, this is where you talk about the, you either get better or you get worse. I don't know if they got better. So now you're giving the NFL another year to figure out what you do well and how to prevent you from doing it because you didn't add any new wrinkles. You didn't sign anybody new you didn't bring anybody new in you didn't really change anything you're resting on your haunches of we have tom brady a great talented skilled offense and a stout defense bring it now that's also not a hard thing to rest your laurels on um you could make the argument that new, uh, new england did it for 20 years minus the offensive yeah. prowess. well i you know i was going to say though to just to clarify, it wasn't just the defensive line that won the Super Bowl. It was the lack of offensive line from Kansas City that kind of did it as well. 
because when you're playing with your third string offensive linemen against, I mean, like Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl linemen or linebackers and, you know, uh, Devin White and uh, the hell is his name? The other linebacker. It's escaping me. Shaq Barrett. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. I, was, I, was like, I, was I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> I was going to let you get there. Yeah. So, I mean, you got guys that like that actually showed up in the playoffs and, you know, defensively. I mean, that, that turned it around as well. And, you know, you forgot one big acquisition from last year's offseason was Tristan Wirfs from the, he's the offensive lineman that they drafted. I don't even remember where they drafted him, but like he fell to them as like a gift and has turned into like one of the top offensive linemen in the league. It only is like second year, third year, going to be his right. third year or second year. So like, I mean, that's, that's huge right there. Oh yeah. So, someone especially to protect the aging wonder that is Brady. Well, so, sure. And you know, but that, and that's, you know, that's getting good draft. That's making good on a draft pick. You know, that's not, that dude didn't go there because of Brady was really my point was like, you know, the team was pretty right. much set. Like I'm pretty sure Brady signed after the draft and there it was, you know, the traded, however, however the hell he went there. Um, yep. You know, and, and like, but even this year, so like I talk about getting better through the draft, they didn't do a ton. Um, you know, it's hard to find, hard to find holes that you need to fill when you won the Super Bowl and you didn't really lose anybody. Um, I mean, they probably could have gotten better at corner, but I mean, they, they, they drafted a potential replacement for Brady when Brady decides to leave in a decade. Um, but like nobody, if you look through nobody really that they really picked is going to be an impact player this year, which is tough because I firmly honestly believe that if you're taking a guy in the first round, you're taking a guy that you expect to start. Maybe not day one, but it, but what's that? No, I was just I was just looking at who uh, Joe Tyran or Tyrone Tyran. Tryon. Joe Tryon. Tryon. Joe Tryon. See, I'm terrible at names. I'm, I don't know if you know this. Even with a bad last name as mine, Joe Tryon. Yeah, oh, you're right. They just they they took they they, they drafted for the future because they know that their window with, I mean, their current. Um, team is is not as large as it should be, but I mean, you're just going to keep putting the pedal to the metal to get to your next Super Bowl because they have a really strong chance to repeat, which is not something you can do often. No, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hate watching another Tom Brady Super Bowl. The only way I'll be oh, okay with it yeah. is if the if is if the Bills go and beat him and break his leg. Yeah, that's probably the only. Yeah, those are the only acceptable outcomes I'm looking at. I, I mean, last year, the year before, when uh, what was the year when Kansas City won the Super Bowl? Who did they? They played the Rams, right? Yes. Yes, that was the only enjoyable Super Bowl I've watched in quite a while because it wasn't Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So you know, we talk we talk about this all the time across the board. Like you know, any any time the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers don't make the World Series, it's good for the it's good for the game. It's good for baseball. You know, anytime the, the Bruins the, and the Penguins don't make, or, you know, the Bruins, the Penguins and the lightning don't make the Stanley cup. It's good for hockey. Uh, anytime Tom Brady is not in the super bowl, it's good for football because it's nice to see other people playing for it. Right. I, I not don't just like, a 
it's not just a game that Tom Brady is just like automatically assumed is going to be in. And then you have like, oh, well, in this year's Super Bowl, we have this player. He's also in the league. And like Tom Brady is the type of player that when he's not in the game, they still find a way to talk about him. Like, oh, like if he, if they don't make it this year, well, last year, this is what Tom Brady did really well against this defense or like in, in this type of situation, like, oh, not having a guy like Tom Brady, who's been there and done it so many times is, you know, that, that experience is invaluable for a team. Shut up. He's not even here. Yep. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's annoying. It is for sure. annoying. I mean, don't get me wrong. I respect what Tom Brady has done. I mean, you know, cheating scandals aside and whatever have you, but like you can't deny what he's actually accomplished as a player. I will, I will respect that. I hate what he's done to our division for the last 20 years, but glad we don't deal with that. But I mean, otherwise past that respect of like what he's done, I could care less about like the day-to-day games of, you know, he played well against this defense or, you know, Tom Brady did this last week. It's like, yes, we know he's good. Thank you. Moving on. Yeah. It was like, it's almost as bad as, you know, the, I mean, NFL broadcasts have the ability to make you hate a player that you never thought you'd hate. And I already hated Tom Brady. So when they just do that to him, it just makes it worse. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> you know, the big one that I can think of, you know, was, was the Teddy Bruschi's post stroke game. They were like making up stats for oh. him. Um, you know, it's like JJ Watt. I love JJ Watt. I, I could watch JJ Watt play football seven days a week. And when we played them in the division or in the wild card round two years ago, I hated the man because all they would do, like, you know, um, Watts into D hop on a great play. Oh, here's JJ Watts reaction to that play. Who cares? God, shut up. NFL media yeah, people yeah. who the NFL media people who overhype one player for an entire broadcast, you suck officially on the suck list. We're doing it. Uh, moving on. Uh, we're going to talk about the, I mean, you want to talk about a, a potential, like a, a hard fall from grace over the last two to three years. The Atlanta Falcons blew a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl and have yet to recover. Oh Yeah. And that team they doesn't suck. Hangover for sure. Oh, that, yeah. No, they, well, <laughs> the stats would tell you otherwise, but I mean, yes, you're, you're correct. But I mean, like you, you on paper, that team is not terrible. Like, and that's, you know, you look at it when you talk about having, you know, Matt Ryan, a potential Hall of Fame quarterback, um, Julio Jones. I mean, like their whole team is talented. Their whole offense is talented. And this year they got better. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Pitts is real. He sure looks like it, doesn't he? I mean, I didn't watch very many Florida games, but I mean, the one, the highlights that I did, I was like, he's a human highlight reel. So it's just going to be scary what he can do, you know, with players that are, I don't want to say on his level, but closer to his skill set and still make them look silly. So. You know, I mean, and he's and now that they traded Julio to Tennessee, I mean, that's a like if he wasn't the focal point of that offense, like if he wasn't going to be the focal point of that offense, you know, in a couple years, you know, after you know who when once Julio decided to leave or you know, he is now because I mean, you have Calvin Ridley. Don't give me, I'm not discounting Calvin Ridley at all, but I think there's probably a huge gap, maybe not this year, but like next year, that 
it's going to be almost like what you have with Kansas City, where you have you know Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill type thing. Now, not pairing those two to Ridley and Pitts, but I mean, you have Pitts is going to be the number one to Calvin Ridley's, you know, almost number, pretty much number like one eight, one B type thing. So, or vice versa, depending on how the game goes. Yeah, and I mean they they did add Cordell Patterson, who's not a bad receiver. He's a very talented athletic yeah. player. Um, you know, and what if when he's not trying to be the number one, like that that might be a good thing, you know, might might do well for him. He's trying to be a running back. He tried they they line him up in a running back, Chicago did. Yeah, I mean he he can do a little bit of it all. He's a he's a I would say he's a more physical version of like an Isaiah McKenzie where he can line up in different spots and hurt you in different ways. But I mean, he, he, he runs decent routes. He's, you know, he can line up in the backfield for you. He can do a lot. Um, okay. You know, they, they were in some cap hell, so they couldn't do a ton in free agency. So aside from uh, Patterson and then Duran Harmon, they didn't do much else, uh, which is tough. You know, it's just, again, when you're, when you're living above, above the cap, it's, it's tough. You know, especially when you have like, if you're living above the cap and you're having you're having great seasons, you can probably trim some fluff. When you're living above right. the cap and you're a bottom feeder, you're looking at the you're looking forward, going, "Oh my god, what do I do?" You know, they <laughs> a new, a, again a new a new coach. They got Arthur Smith from the Titans, um, who ended up creating. I mean, he created a simple but pretty effective offense over there in Tennessee. Um. You know, it said that he's kind of doing like a win now type approach, and uh, you know, it. He he brought he brought Dean Pease out of retirement to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, Dave Ragone going to be the offensive coordinator. Nothing really notable on the assistant side, but you know, it's it's that coaching staff that you look look at on paper and you're going like, who? You know, like. Which yeah. you, you you could have said the same thing about McDermott with his first year, you know, especially mm-hmm. when he started talking things like weird stuff, like culture and trusting the process, and you know, understand it's not going to be a you know year one set the set the world on fire. Although Smith kind of sounds like he's trying to set the world on fire in year one, so we'll see. But you know, underwhelming coaching staff changes and a, a tough free agency. Thank God you got Kyle Pitts in the I draft. Mean- Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it could be just though that like he's, I don't want to say he's pandering to, you know, Atlanta fans, but I mean, Atlanta has been, you know, I mean, when Sean McDermott came here, he knew that people have been, you know, Buffalo had been, you know, a starved city for good players and good, like just a good football team in general. So he wasn't going to, I mean, obviously it's not his, in his persona to just be like, let's light this up and let's go. But, you know, Arthur Smith could just be as easily going, you know, he's like, no, we're going to be good because we've always been good and just kind of keep everybody on that level of expectations of where they think Atlanta should be versus like, you know, the last couple of years post Super Bowl, we had a little bit, a little bit of a lull, but we're coming back. Like, you know, we're, we're better than we, we look on paper, which is honestly, well, like exactly what you said. They, they are, they are better on paper than they've played. And a part of that has to do with the, you know, the coaching staff that was there with Dan Quinn, which I mean, I don't understand that at all. Uh, like not, not him getting fired, but him, like how you can go from 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl to you just can't, you can't win games. Like, right. Go, going just, three and 20. That was a meteor years. plunge. Yeah. That was a, like, 
like that's like a fall from the moon type plunge. Oh God. Yeah. That was awful. Right like, I, it just, it's hard. And it's hard to understand. Like it's hard to understand what happened. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I, I couldn't even tell you unless you were there. Be, the beginning of beginning of the year last year, it became the laughing stock. Like up oh, midway through the third Atlanta's winning by two scores. The bears got them right where they want them. And then the bears won. Like it was brutal. It became a running joke. Yeah. Like you, you blew a 28 to three lead. And then you just couldn't find ways to finish ball games for another season. Like, like what are you doing? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. Um, I, I do think the Falcons got a little better. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward about the Matt Ryan situation. Um, I still think he's a good quarterback, but I, he may be past you know, the, the phrase past his prime comes to mind. Um, I mean, they, their, their first three picks were solid. Obviously, you know, a lot of people had Kyle Pitts being the best, of non, uh, the best non-quarterback in the draft. Uh, they, yep. took a, they took a safety. They took uh, Jalen Mayfield, you know, and then after that, like, like, like anybody else, you know, your, your day three draft picks are a crapshoot, really, and especially this year. I think all, we talked about it in the past. Most of our uh, – I think most picks – going forward for the next like this year and this like this past year and next year are going to kind of be crapshoots. Um, so like, I mean, they picked up Mayfield, who's a guard. I think, I think your offensive linemen are probably your safest bet come draft day, just because, you know, yeah. it, being big physical and having good footwork is easier to see than whether or not your speed can translate against a, you know, a professional defense or against a professional offense. I don't know. But I mean, I feel like they got better, but I, I mean, I think they're in a stacked division and I don't mean stacked. I mean, very top heavy. I think, I think Tampa's absolutely the team to beat here. And then oh, you absolutely. have the most interesting team in the, in, in like in the off season, in my opinion, in the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> I, I don't know what yeah. to think of them. Like, I didn't know what to think of them when Teddy Bridgewater was still their quarterback. I still don't know what to think of them now that Sam Darnold is their quarterback. He's even a bigger question mark than Teddy Bridgewater is or was. And I mean, you, the, the good news is you're getting Christian McCaffrey back. Like Christian McCaffrey is that is the, the, the you know, the planet that everything orbits in there. So in, in terms of the offense. So, I mean, that's good. That's, that's huge news, but I mean, everything else is just like, <laughs> I, I don't even know. They're they're more of an enigma to me than the Saints are, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll tell you what I I liked and still like Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. Um, I I think they could have built around him maybe a little bit more than they tried to if they would have given him another sh- another year. Uh, looking through free agency, they they so they lost Russell Okung, Kawan, uh, Kawan Short, Trey Boston, Curtis Samuel, and Teddy Bridgewater. They brought in Cameron Irving, Pat Elephin, Elephine, El- Elphaline, AJ Bouye, Hassan Riddick, and Sam Darnold. That that feels like a wash. That doesn't feel like you went up or down. Um, again, Sam Darnold coming out of college in that draft class, he was supposed to be the dude. He was supposed to be the dude doing Josh Allen stuff. Josh Allen was yeah. not supposed to be the one doing Josh Allen. Like, like Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were supposed to be the one that like the two in that, in that draft class. 
and Josh Rosen. I don't even know if he's playing football anymore. And Darnold has been less. He hasn't even been whelming, let alone underwhelming in his time in New York. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that you, I mean, obviously you can look at that and just blame the coaching staff, which I mean, it's clear at this point that Adam Gase is, is not a head coach. He is ever, or he should ever be a head coach. Like he can be, he can go ahead and be, you know, an offensive coordinator all he wants, but he cannot be the man in charge. Like, cause he, he ruined him at my, or, you know, he was bad in Miami. Obviously he was bad in New York and you saw what he did to Darnold when he finally was here. So I, I hope Darnold turns out better than he was, you know, the, than the chance he was given in New York. Um, I mean, that's, that's soon to see, but I mean, I, I won't lie to you. When we, when, when the, uh, the draft was going on, I was hoping Sam Darnold was going to fall to the bills over Josh Allen had nothing to do with, like me not liking Josh Allen, but I was in the boat of like, I want the guy that has the proven pedigree of like, he has a better chance of being good than Josh Allen's overall potential. I'm so happy that Josh Allen's potential obviously, you know, was realized and I was wrong because clearly that's why I don't scout. But I mean, I was hoping the Bills would have taken him when it came time, but I mean, obviously he was taken before him. So, Well, and the thing about that is a lot of people miss that. Like that, that's not just a, mm-hmm. like that. There were a lot of people who felt that way. And I remember when we took Alan, uh, me and a couple, at least one or two of the guys in the show were like, listen, man, like the, they haven't missed yet. Um, and, and it's only gotten, it's only gotten better. Um, since then, and like, obviously it's hard to tell in his, in his, you know, what was that? One of the first one of, if not the first draft that, that, uh, Bean and McDermott had together that they took Alan, and like, you yeah. know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, here we go again. Here we go again. And then like four years later, you look at it and you're like, oh, some, something stupid, like 24 of 25 draft picks are still on the bills team. Like, oh, yeah. okay. Like that's all right then, you know, so they, like, they don't, they don't really miss much. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's interesting. You're right. He, I mean, Darnold hasn't gotten a fair, like a, a really fair shake in my opinion, but you know, it, I just don't I know. I think he's man. in I mean, a much better place. Oh, he, if I think he, he's in a much better place in, in Carolina, just from not not just the coaching staff, but just like the actual team as a whole, is in a much better place than the Jets have been in the entire time he was there. I mean, I, I would argue that Carolina was a better team three years ago when they took the um when they when. Sam Darnold went to the Jets and they're, they're on a much, they're on a different tier compared to the Jets who have just, you know, lingered at the bottom up until like, well, up until now. I mean, who knows what they'll be now moving forward, but I guess we'll Well, see. I, I agree with you. And I think this is, this is the type of situation where it's officially do or die for Sam Darnold. Like if he goes out and has a bad year, uh, it, it's probably a curtain call. Um, you know, especially like, uh, like looking through the draft aside, aside from the, uh, the long snapper in the seventh round, which I, I mean, I, I have a special place in my heart for stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, you look through, you look through their draft, uh, JC Horn, a cornerback. I mean, you know, it's, he was, it was him and Patrick Sertan 
that were kind of a 1A, 1B situation. They went with J.C. Horn. You know, helps their defense right off the bat. Uh, Terrace Marshall is a wide receiver. That doesn't suck to draft. And uh, I believe getting him in the second round may have been a bit of a steal. Yeah, especially considering, you know, played at LSU, had a pretty good quarterback over there throwing him the football. Uh, So I hear Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Robert Samar Hubbard. Yeah, I mean, thir- a third-round running back who's there to compliment Christian McCaffrey. Great, because Christian McCaffrey coming off an injury, you don't want him toting the ball 30 times a game. Uh, right. Shai Smith, another receiver, uh, someone who has a lot of potential coming out of college and, you know, coming from South Carolina, is, you know. And then uh, Deontay Brown, another, another offensive guard, you know, a guy that's going to help keep your quarterback upright, hopefully, and, you know, has the potential to be a big, uh, you know, a starter and an impact player for you. And that, that's a good draft. That's a good draft. When everybody you take has the, like, you're, it, it's, it, not, none of those are considered a stretch. One of them is considered a steal. Like, it's, it's hard to argue with. And that's two years in a row that they've said, we're going to get better through a youth movement in the draft. And it seems like on paper, they didn't, they didn't do a bad job of it. So you're saying that Carolina kind of copied the Bills who actually kind of copied Carolina because Dermot and Bean came from Carolina? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Like it's all one big Carolina-Buffalo circle? Yeah, uh, no, Carolina's just Buffalo South. They just don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for some kind of trade news to come around that, you know, we... Or something like that, you know? Like, I mean, obviously, we haven't done, done... Needed to do any trades recently, but... That's what I was waiting for to hear about Buffalo South. Well, it's it sure it sure always feels like anytime there's a free agent signing, he came from Carolina. So I get that. Yeah, right. Well, wait, didn't who did uh, our assistant general manager just left to go to be Carolina's general manager assistant? Right. Yeah, I, I'm. I can't remember his name, but yeah, he's because uh, he's he. It, it seems like he's going to be the heir apparent down there. Which I mean, who who better? Again, we're talking about we're talking about uh, Mr. Bean, who's got like tw- again twenty four of twenty five or something like that, are still on the Bills roster. Hard, it's hard to argue with. Yeah, I want the dude that learned from right. him. Right. So. Yeah. No. Any uh, any other thoughts here? On the, uh, any other thoughts here on the uh, the NFC South here? Um. I would like to see what would happen if not now I'm not wishing any harm to come to Tom Brady, but I would like to see how that division would shake out without it being so top heavy. Um, because I mean, obviously with Tom Brady there, it's, it, you know, it's, it's Tampa, it's Tampa's division to lose at this point. And it's not hard to understand why. Um, Cause the, you know, the three teams below it are just, there's definitely more questions than answers, but I would think it would be more interesting to see a division that, you remove him as being like kind of that X factor of the whole division and just to kind of see where they would all play out if they didn't have, you know, if, if Tampa Bay had to start running Kyle Trask and, you know, and then you have Sam Darnold that's trying to, you know, make his comeback from Carolina or, and then Matt Ryan's like trying to show everybody like, Hey, I'm not washed up. And, you know, I still got more tread on the tires. So, and then you have whatever the enigma is that is Taysom Hill and Winston and Winston down there that like, 
that would be an interesting storyline for me to follow. Now it's just kind of like, it's almost like watching, you know, what we deal with up here in Buffalo. Like you have Tom Brady at the top and then all the other teams at the bottom and they're, you know, under them that are just like question mark all day. Yeah. And it's, it's a question mark. And can somebody make a push for a wild card because the bucks are taking the division. So I'm going to ask you, uh, obviously I think we both have the bucks finishing first. Who's who, who's two, three, and four in order. End of the year, make your bold, bold claim. It's bold claim ranking time. Bold claim white ranking time. Oh man. All right. Just just Tampa on top. Yep. Tampa on top. Tampa on top. I would go ahead and I would say that I'm going to give Atlanta the number two. I think that I think it's going to be close between Atlanta and Carolina, mainly because Carolina, I, I think Carolina and Atlanta on paper have the most complete team with the least amount of question marks compared to New Orleans, which is just like, I don't know what you're getting from the offense. Like I understand the record that, you know, Janet, that Winston and Hill had together and Sean Payton is by no means a terrible coach. I just, I'm going bold here and I'm, I'm going Atlanta two, Carolina three Saints are going to finish last. And it's not, it's not like I'm saying they're going to be like, three and you know three and 13 or whatever like i'm just i think it'll be pretty close and it's just that's just kind of the ranking i'm i'm my gut tells me hey i appreciate it man i i am here for it uh i'm gonna go on record publicly and say obviously the bucks finish first i'm gonna give panthers the number two the saints number three because i think uh good coaching is hard to hard to argue with and i'm gonna stay atlanta in the basement for at least one more year just because i think they need a year to kind of figure it out so that's fair. That's uh, that'll that'll do it for our uh, our NFC South preview for the year. The hats, hats, and stats version. I know a lot of people do this, but you know we're uh, we're gonna do it and be a little different about it. And you're gonna get me and a guest host, a different guest host every week going forward. So we're gonna get this in, get it going, and you guys can look forward to one of these for every single team and every single division in the NFL. Who knows if you're lucky? Maybe we'll do the CFL, but I doubt it. Uh, so Grand Poba, thanks for joining me, buddy. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Glad to do it again. Yeah, well, uh, you're going to get tagged in all the social media and, you know, help us do the whole like, share, subscribe thing. All that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. This is Hats, Tats, and Stats, part of the BICBP Radio Network, www.bicbp-radio.com slash hats dash tats dash stats. Uh, you can catch us on the website, obviously, bicbp-radio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google podcasts amazon music and anywhere else you get your saucy podcast ear juice from and uh as always we are brought to you by as you heard at the top of the show this uh this and the next couple episodes brought to you by big o seal coating seal servicing uh seal coating blacktop driveways for the last 25 years you heard that whole commercial at the top you'll hear the stinger sports one at the end stick around for that and uh check out us and all the other awesome podcasts on the bacbp radio network like follow share subscribe find us on social media google hats tats and stats we're the only thing that'll show up i promise you that uh again poe thanks for joining me buddy and thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you next week hats tats and stats podcast is brought to you by stinger sports stinger sports makes high quality fully custom sublimated uniforms and apparel that'll have you looking great on and off the field get your custom made pro quality gear today at stingerwoodbats.com and put that s on your chest Use promo code TIP of the CAP, all one word, for 10% off your order. Stinger Sports. Look great. 
feel great, play great. Up, come on, get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. And we got to drive 75 yards. All right, we could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready! Sit! Motherfucker!